0: Good evening and welcome once again to the digital campus of Newark United Pentecostal Church. We're glad you joined us this evening and we want to remind you that uh, you can find lots and lots of things about us if you'll just go to where many of you have already come in through newarkupc.info and there are various cards there that you can click on and find all sorts of information and uh, we are continuing our two-week study about teams and team leadership Uh, last week we talked about teams that didn't fare so well Uh, the ministry of the body is uh, really meant to happen by teams and and not just by select individuals. This is not a a superstar thing. Uh, And in this series, we are exploring various teams, the ones that I've mentioned that didn't work so well. Last Wednesday, I was scheduled to uh, bring to you a a lesson on uh, Saul and David. Uh, What a train wreck that transfer was could have been much different for the nation of Israel. Uh, I'm kind of glad that I didn't have to go through all of all of that trial and tragedy of that one. This week we are going to look at a, a very successful team. It was a long term team and that is that uh, we are studying Joshua and Moses, or maybe Moses and Joshua. And uh, last night, uh, Stephen did not use scripture. So I'm going to balance it out tonight, and and I've got six pages of scripture here, and uh, may not have a whole lot of comment, but the scripture speaks well of what happened. And what went on in all of this and, uh, shortly after they came out of the land of Egypt they were attacked by a group of people known as Amalekites or Amalekites and the Lord said that those folks needed to be fought that they needed to be ultimately defeated and in Exodus 17 and 9 Moses commanded Joshua choose some men to go out and fight the army of the of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill, holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded, and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a new, nearby hill, and you know the story of how Moses held the rod up, and when his arms grew weary. Uh, and began to fall, then the army was defeated. So what we see here is that there was division of labor, if you will, James would have recognized it, as faith and works. And so we look at these two men, Joshua and Moses, each playing a very important part. They were equal in the importance of what they were doing, although what they were accomplishing individually was not the same. And then uh, Stephen mentioned something last night about our after action reviews. And in Exodus 17 and verse number 14, we read after the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven, so there was a review, in this case, a very positive review of what they had done, and it was made a permanent record, so that Joshua could go back and look at it, and, and not only have his own memories, but maybe sharpen his memory, rekindle his memory, uh, when it had been many years past the battle, to, do, to see what God had done, <clears throat> And pardon me, <laughs> in relation to this, we find that him playing his part or Joshua playing his part in this task opened the door to him for him to be assigned a task that could not be fulfilled for many years yet. In Numbers chapter 34 and 16, the Lord said unto Moses, Eliezer the priest and Joshua son of none are the men designated to divide the grants of land among the people enlist one leader from each tribe to help them with the task so we've got these men that are chosen to help divide out the land when the people get into the land uh joshua stayed close Where you find Moses, if there's a mention of somebody being near, it's usually Joshua. In Exodus 24, beginning with verse 12, Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to uh, me on the mountain. Stay there, and I will give you the uh, tablets of stone on which I have inscribed the instructions and commandments, so you can teach the people. This is going up to get the Ten Commandments. So Moses and his assistant, uh, King James Version says minister, his assistant Joshua set out and Moses climbed up the mountain of God. Moses told the elders, stay here and wait for us until we come back. Aaron and her are here with you. And if anyone has a dispute while I'm gone, consult with them. And. The situation that we see here is that there is a a team and another team, Joshua and Moses are going up on the mountain, Aaron and her, and the elders are staying to run the situation there as, uh, and to answer questions and take care of things while Moses is gone. So we've got multiple teams working together here. Uh, In Exodus 33 and 10, uh, we find that when the people saw the cloud standing uh, at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. And inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp. But the young man who assisted him, the King James Version says, his servant, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of Meeting. That means that he was already there. He was close to Moses. He was not only learning by what Moses told him, he was learning by being close and seeing what Moses was doing and feeling what was going on getting the emotion of what was involved there was a time when Moses lost his temper yeah he was human he was broken and he he could be pushed so far and I guess it was better that he struck the rock than that he struck somebody but in Deuteronomy 1 1 and 37 uh, and 38 he Hearken back to that time where it says, and the Lord was also angry with me because of you. He said to me, Moses, not even you will enter the promised land. Instead, your assistant, King James says, Joshua, who stands before you. And it might have literally meant this guy who's standing right in front of you. Joshua, son of Nun." will lead the people into the land. And here's an interesting thing. Encourage him, for he will lead Israel as they take possession of it, the land of Canaan. So he's not, Moses is not only told you can't go in, but Joshua's going to take the people in and don't stand in his way and don't feel bad at him. You're not going to be there, and somebody has to complete the work that you've started. So encourage this relatively young man, uh, teach him so that he can finish what you have begun. Uh, We've already seen from that little incident that Moses could have a mistake in judgment. He was broken, he was flawed, But Moses wasn't the only one that was flawed. Uh, I've often said, if you ever find a church that's a perfect church, please turn and run. Because if you get involved with it, you'll mess it up. Uh, We're not dealing with uh, perfect people here, great as they were. They had problems and flaws and misunderstandings. In Exodus chapter 32 we're back up on the mountain now getting those 10 commandments and we'll begin with verse 15. then moses turned and went down the mountain he held in his hands the two stone tables inscribed with the terms of the covenant they were inscribed on both sides front and back the tables or tablets were god's work the words on them were written by God himself. When Joshua heard the boisterous noise of the people shouting below them, he exclaimed to Moses, it sounds like war in the camp. But Moses replied, no, it's not a shout of victory or the wailing of defeat. I hear the sound of a celebration. And of course, it was the people dancing around the golden calf and uh, making first-class fools of themselves. But Joshua was wrong. Joshua had heard something and misinterpreted it. I'm sure there's no one in the audience tonight that's ever done anything like that. Well, maybe a few. But I also noticed that when Moses corrected him, He didn't scold him. He just set him straight. And that's not a harsh setting him straight. He just corrected his misconception. And then in uh, Numbers chapter 11, beginning with verse 27, we find another instance where there was some uh, misunderstanding, uh, uh, a wrong judgment, especially on Joshua's part. a young man uh, uh, ran and reported to Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Now, there had been elders chosen to, to go outside the camp with Moses and they were going to receive some of the spirit of Moses upon them. And, but there were these two, two men that stayed back in the camp and and the spirit of the Lord fell on them and they were prophesying. And Joshua, son of Nun who had been Moses' assistant or his servant since his youth, protested, Moses, my master, make them stop. (laughs) But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon all of them. What's he saying? He's saying, let the team grow. Go ahead, and, and it doesn't have to happen right where I am to be of God. These men, Eldad and Me Dad, were being touched of the spirit of the Lord, and they were uh, being used of God. And there's no need to try to put a clamp and, and a shutdown, if you will, On what God is doing just because it doesn't fit what we think it should be. God wants to work in a whole lot more places than we may be willing to let him work. He's willing to work through a lot more people than we might think that can be used of God. And Joshua made the mistake when the report came. There's somebody who's doing this in what we would consider an unorthodox manner. not It's not according to the rules. It's not according to what we expected. Well, let's shut it down. No, no. Moses understood that the team was not to be an exclusive thing to keep people out but that the team was to be an open door where more and more could get involved. So what we're looking at here is just a misunderstanding on Joshua's part. And again, a very kind response from Moses. And Joshua needs to learn kindness, because his ministry, his leadership, is going to be a military general. He's got to be a man of war. He's got to be hard and strong. And so the harder, the stronger, the more militant he must be, the more he needs to learn to be gentle whenever possible. Not to take a a strong position that cuts people out but rather something that will allow them to come in you see god's just not that exclusive he let you and me in i think that says something uh and then there came a time after Moses had brought the children of Israel to the brink of the land of Canaan. And he sent spies into the land to find out what was going on. And uh, there were some that uh, did not want to go in the land. You know the story. You should know the story of the The ten spies that didn't uh, want to go into the land, they were afraid. Joshua and Caleb stood strong. And in Numbers 14, beginning with verse 4, Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. They humbled themselves. They did not come to a place where they were going to fight to hold their position. If God doesn't want them in that position, he can take them out. But if God wants them in that leadership spot, nobody else can take them out. And so they yielded themselves to God in their humility. And since they were not fighting for themselves, they were not fighting to retain their place and their position. Verse six says, two of the men who had explored the land Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh tore their clothing and they said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land and if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Did not rebel against the Lord. You see, some of these folks thought they were fussing at Moses. They were. It wasn't Moses' idea. Moses was herding sheep and well pleased with what he was doing when the bush caught fire. This wasn't Moses' idea. God was behind this. God was the author of it, and so they were. In in fighting Moses, they were actually fighting God. So in verse 9, do not rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection. But the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning joshua and caleb (laughs) they were not only against moses and aaron now they're mad at joshua and caleb and then the glorious presence of the lord appeared to all the israelites at the tabernacle yeah god can step in god can make a difference and by the way if i could just Stop right here a moment and, and, and talk a little bit about their time uh, spying out the land. We find that uh, when they came back, uh, they some of them had a good, well, it, all of them had a good report about how nice the land was, but 10 of them said, we can't do this. It's a wonderful place, but we just can't do it because there are big people there. There are giants in the land. And besides that, all of their cities have great walls around them. Well, now, if you just stop and think a minute, that should be encouraging. You see, in America today, we don't have walled cities because we feel safe. In that day they put walls around the cities because they did not feel safe they the people were actually screaming out the higher the wall the louder the scream we're afraid we're afraid somebody's going to come in and take our property take our land kill us uh and then the the Beautiful thing about the the whole matter is that when they got into the land, they found out that the people of Jericho had been shaking in their sandals for the last 40 years, not over Israel crossing the Jordan on dry ground, but about Israel crossing the Red Sea Dry, on dry ground and they were afraid they were hiding behind their walls they were being careful back there and then when the children of israel came and marched around the walls of that first city god showed them don't worry about the walls i can take care of the walls if that's what's necessary you just stand you just do what i've told you to do and things will be all right. Here we've got another team. This is a long-lasting team. This is the team of Joshua and Caleb. And then in uh, Numbers chapter 14, 28, uh, and then farther than that, uh, now tell them this, as surely as I live declares the Lord. And that'd be pretty solid. As sure as the Lord is alive, this is going to happen. I will do to you the very things I heard you say. All these people have been moaning and complaining and belly aching and griping. Oh, the land's too hard. uh, We'll die there. We should have died in Egypt. Well, they had that opportunity and they came out anyhow. Oh, if we go into that land, we'll all die, and, and they'll take our children, and, and they'll suffer death too, and maybe they'll be slaves. And, and the Lord said, I'm going to do the very things that I heard you say. You pronounced your own judgment. Hmm, did that with David too, didn't he? You will drop dead, this verse 29, you will drop dead in this wilderness because you complained against me every one of you who is 20 years old or older and was included in the registration will die. You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. The only exceptions will be Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. (laughs) And by the way, it was the children that they were afraid were going to be made slaves who finally conquered the land in numbers 14 and 36 through 38. We read this, the 10 men Moses had sent to explore the land, the ones who incited rebellion against the Lord with their bad report were struck dead with a plague before the Lord. Of the 12 who had explored the land, only Joshua and Caleb remained alive. Uh, There was a time several years back when I decided uh, I'm going to challenge people to give me the names of any one of the 10 men that explored the land with Joshua and Caleb. Nobody could do so. Why? Because almost immediately after they had given the bad report, they were struck down in the plague. That was their last opportunity to do what God had told them to do. It was such an important thing that when they didn't do it, God had no more use for them. They were going to be a hindrance instead of a help. And so God took 40 years to take care of the rest of that that generation. But those 10 men died almost immediately. I don't know how long it was, but uh, I'm sure some of them probably died uh, before the others Uh, even if it was just a matter of minutes, but they didn't last long when the plague struck. Now, we're close to a time when if you've got questions, you might want to start posting them, and if you would, put the word question in front of uh, your question, and then we'll see where we go with all of this after I get through here in just a few minutes. Now, we've talked about Mo, uh, Moses and Joshua working in different parts of a battle, but both of them cooperating. Not the same, but equal in importance. We've talked about their having an after action review and that, that Joshua stayed close to Moses, that he was, uh, he figured out a way or God allowed a way to, that he could be with him on the mountainside and, and that he he could be with him and stay around the tabernacle longer, and, and uh, that he could uh, not literally but spiritually hold up Moses' hands when Moses wouldn't defend himself, when Moses was saying, God, you take care of this situation. You do what you want to be done. If you're through with me as a leader, put somebody else in. And Joshua and Caleb stood forth and they stood up and they they took their place and they showed their leadership abilities, even to the point of putting themselves in danger. And now the 40 years is expiring. They've wandered and Moses has for a second time brought them to the brink of the promised land see moses didn't just bring them to the promised land once he brought them twice and it came time to pass the torch publicly in numbers 27 beginning with verse 15 then moses said to the lord "O lord you are the god who gives breath to all creatures Please appoint a man as leader for the community. It doesn't make sense to hold on to a position. Doesn't matter what the position is. You're going to leave that position. You're not going to be the great high potentate forever. All men and women die. And somebody else has got to pick up the torch. And carry on. Uh, Elijah didn't die. But he wasn't on the scene any longer. And somebody else. Needed to use that mantle. Moses continued this prayer. This shows you the selflessness. That is the good kind of leadership. That Moses was involved with. Give them someone. Verse 17. Give them someone who will guide them wherever they go and will lead them into battle. So the community of the Lord will not be like sheep without a shepherd. Then the Lord replied, take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the spirit in him and lay your hands on him. Present him to Eleazar the priest before the whole community and publicly commission him to lead the people. Transfer some of your authority. The King James Version says honor. <laughs> the Amplified Version uses both terms, your honor and authority. Transfer that to him so the whole community of Israel will obey him. It's a public thing. There needed to be something about the transfer of, of power and of authority and of leadership that, that it wasn't a, a done in secret. Oh, it had been building maybe in secret for a long, long time, especially early. Uh, Joshua was just one of the young men that was involved. But there came a time when it needed to be Public. This is the one that God has chosen, and it needed to be where everyone could see it. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, and beginning with verse number 7, Then Moses called for Joshua, and as all Israel watched, he said to him, Be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. You are the one who will divide it among them as as their grants of land. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. It's awfully easy sometimes to get afraid. It's very simple to become discouraged. Some of those failed expectations can play, play a big part in all of that. But we're told, don't let that happen to you. You're going to be tempted with it. You're going to be tried with it. But instead of sitting with your head down Bemoaning your lot on the on the curb and and feeling sorry for yourself. There's a parade going by. Get out in front of it and lead that thing. God's got something going on, and He wants us to be part of it. In Deuteronomy chapter thirty-four and and verse eight, we find that Moses now has died. This is the latter part of the book of Deuteronomy that Moses couldn't have written. We know that part for sure. But in verse eight, it says the people of Israel mourned for Moses on the plains of Moab for 30 days until the customary period for mourning was over. Verse nine. Now, joshua son of nun was full of the spirit of wisdom for moses had laid his hands on him i'd like to speak here for just a moment that the laying on of hands can be a physical thing we're we're well used to that just just recently we had a laying on of hands for an ordination service and we're going to have another laying on of hands for an ordination service here in, in in a few months we're we're really looking forward to that one we have to look back to the one that just happened but we look forward to the one that's coming but the laying on of hands is more than just a physical touch Moses had had his hand on Joshua for 40 years, he had laid hands on him in battle. He had laid hands on him on the mountain. He had laid hands on him at the tabernacle. He had laid hands on him through the day to day life of the, the congregation and their travels. It wasn't just a formality, it was just a symbolism of a closeness, of a transfer. That was ongoing, not just a matter of a few minutes in some little ceremony, but Moses had been transferring authority and honor to Joshua for years. Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. And there's another key. If you're going to lead, lead where God says to. Leadership doesn't mean you can do your own thing. Leadership means you can do God's thing. And then we leave the wilderness behind, and we go to Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant or his minister. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. Not I'm going to give them. He was already in the process of giving them the land. It's come time. That team, well, it kind of dissolved when Moses died. But I find later that after Joshua died, there was a group of elders that lived beyond him. You see, there was another team, and a man who had been part of a team headed a team, and they
1: all got where they were supposed to go.
0: Caleb, have we got any questions?
1: We certainly do. So, uh, the first question is from Joyce Allen, and she asks, Joshua and Caleb didn't allow the fear of new territory to stop them. They had an unpopular perspective. Any tips on how we can adopt and keep a fresh perspective?
0: You can look through God's eyes, see things as he sees them. Uh, if, If we start looking at our limitations, you see, that was the one of the problems with those 10 spies they said they we were in their sight as grasshoppers they were looking through the eyes or what they thought was the eyes of their enemy they concentrated on the problems the high walls the tall people we've got a saying now it may have come into into a account or into our vernacular from the days of David, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. I've got a feeling that God just delights in bringing down the biggest enemies with his smallest servants or what we might consider the smallest servants. And the lots of times we put ourselves in that category, if we're leading anything, it's being the least, as we feel about each other. So, how can we do it? Well, one thing is is stay close to God. Let him let him help you see what he sees, rather than than the uh, the problems. Uh, somebody mentioned to me one time about they had been. Uh, doing an archaeological dig in ancient Babylon, not in ancient Babylon, in what had been Babylon way back there. And they uncovered a, a, a library, maybe it was in a, a home, but anyhow, there was this this writing. And uh, when they translated the writing, now this is from Babylon, that's that's been a day or two ago but the writing was just this simple phrasing alas alas things are not what they used to be (laughs) well they never have been and they never will be we every generation has its problems every life has its struggles but if we'll walk with god he'll help us find a way around them there, there have been times, and I don't want to make any kind of a hero of myself, but there were times I didn't know how we were going to make it. But God always came through. Uh, I may shake on the rock, but the rock on which I stand never shakes. How do we do it? Stay close to God. Look through his eyes. If he promised it. It's going to
1: happen. Another okay. question uh, from your lovely wife is, what do you think Joshua's greatest asset was in being chosen to lead God's people? He was there. He was busy.
0: He made himself available. I. There is no indication in scripture that I am familiar with that gives us a reason why Joshua led the troops that day. They were all slaves. Uh, Somebody said, well, he had a military. You don't make slaves, military men. You don't arm slaves. So I don't know what his background was. I don't know what had happened. I don't know why Moses chose him, but once he was chosen, he put his heart into the work. And then once he was in a place where he could do something, he didn't back up. He just kept being available. If, if I can give a little situation here, uh, I've I've held lots and lots of positions. I've been a busy little boy most of my life. But a lot of those things that I got into was just because I was there. People looked around, said, we need somebody. Oh, there's Brother boss. Ask him. <laughs> there have been places where there were, there were people in the area who were much more qualified than I was, but they weren't there. It, it makes a difference. To not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And then when we are there, not just sit, what was the term I heard? Sit like a bump on a pickle. Uh, But get involved in what's going on. Okay. Why did he, what was the question again? Why did he choose him?
1: Well, what do you think was Joshua's greatest asset?
0: joshua's greatest asset was being there and being available
1: it it wasn't his
0: ability it was his availability if we'll be available god will will supply uh ability in in many many instances first time i was elected to an office it was sectional youth secretary and uh I was surprised. I was frightened. I'd never done it. This was my first office to be elected to for anything, and I I told him, well, I'll do the best I can, but I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know anything about this, and the district superintendent said, well, it's real easy. It's just in, in and out and find a total. Well, I wasn't even sure I could do that, but once I got into it, I, I, I either managed it or God managed it for me, and it's been that way ever since, every step.
1: Next. Uh, so Scott has a question for us. In your opinion, do you feel that we all experience failed expectations because we all expect the wrong things from our God, meaning that the expectations we feel are failed are actually unrealistic expectations that don't fit in with God's will?
0: Well, Scott, I am the world's leading expert on my opinion. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not God's fault that that things don't turn out like we thought they should. It's because we thought they should, and it wasn't what God had in mind at all. So, yeah, it, it's wrong expectations. It's It's wrong... Maybe not even wrong expectations, but wrong timing. Sometimes God doesn't work anywhere near our clock and calendar. And things that we expected, things that we wanted, it it just didn't happen. I remember many, many years ago, decades, multiple decades ago, there was a young man in the church i pastored who got upset because there were not more young people and he specifically said more young people like me and he gave a list of things uh and so he quit he dropped out he he wouldn't come back he wasn't he wasn't interested anymore Within two years, we were overrun with young people who fit all of the qualifications that he had said he was looking for. But he was already gone. God did it. He just didn't do it on on that guy's timing. And yeah, it's uh, we can we can run ahead of God. We can run someplace that God's not going. And our, our expectations can get bumped up against reality. You know, if, if you look at it, Joshua was in training for 40 years. His first assignment was shortly after, within days, after they left the land of Egypt. And it was 40 years later before he became the leader. Well, I guess God's not going to make me the leader because it hadn't happened in 35 years, but he didn't get, he didn't get uh, to a place where he was impatient. He just filled what he could do. He did what he could do, filled a place that he could fill until such time as it happened. Now, if, if he had never been chosen, say, if, if Caleb had been chosen, I've got a feeling that, Joe, that uh, Joshua would have stepped up and been just as much a team member with Caleb as he was with Moses. He was the kind of guy that made a good leader because he was a good follower, because he was a good teammate. And it didn't have to come out the way he wanted it to come out at the time he wanted it in order for it to be acceptable to
1: him if it was acceptable to God. All right. Um, A question from Pastor Regina. Is there anything you can think of that Moses could have done better in training Joshua or were Joshua's failures simply his own in your opinion?
0: Uh, his failures, this would be in the attack at Ai, uh, where he uh, did not seek the Lord as he should have before sending just a few men. Oh, we we took care of Jericho. That was a big city. Ai is just a, a small one, so <clears throat> we can take that with a small crew. Well, they couldn't because there was sin in the camp. And then his... Uh, failure with the what was it the kenites the folks that came uh from just over the hill but they had brought moldy bread with them and said this was fresh baked from the oven when we set out and, and they wore their old worn out clothes and shoes and, and he, he made a league with them a a covenant and and he wasn't supposed to but he didn't ask the lord about it he just those things. I think that that's probably that's probably just Joshua. He was broken. He didn't. He wasn't perfect. He was going to make mistakes. He was going to have misjudgments, and we all do that. I could tell you some of mine, but I'd be too embarrassed on some of them to to even tell how badly i have messed up on some things through the years it's not because i wasn't trained in in those things because i made i made mistakes in places that they hadn't had time to train me yet and i made mistakes in things that that they had told me and i I didn't do it like they intended for me to so i i think it's probably not a lack of training on Moses part. I think it was more of a problem with just the fact that that Joshua was one of us and he just made mistakes.
1: But he learned from his mistakes. All right. Another question from Joyce. In our opposition to others, how do we ensure that we are not opposing God? Ah, good question.
0: Why are you opposing them? In what way are we opposing them? There are ways, and I'm not fussing at Joyce, I'm answering the question. Uh, There are ways to be in opposition that are acceptable. We can express our opinion. We can keep a right heart and a right attitude. We can be open to hear what the others are saying. Uh, one One of the problems with these 10 men was that they would not hear what Joshua and Caleb were saying. And that led to the entire people not listening to what Joshua and Caleb were saying. Joshua and Caleb were repeating the promises of God. If we will stay with the word of God, with the promises of God, and then keep a right attitude about how we are handling our opposition, our being on the other side of a question, if you will, And and keeping a right spirit that can go a long, long way to having us in a place where, where we can, we can be on different sides, but we can still be right with God. Uh, If we can, I'm not interested in the Lord being on my side so much as I am that I want to be on the Lord's side. God did not send them into the land. Moses did not send them into the land to figure out whether they should go or not. God sent them into the land to spy it out, to get a feel of the lay of the land, maybe to to do some maps, some cartography, to, to bring back reports. And they did bring back, all 12 of them started out with a good report. If they'd stopped right there and not overrun their assignment, their assignment was to go look at the land, bring us back a report. They brought back a report, but then they added to it and they put their opinion in. As I said to Scott a moment ago, I'm the world's leading expert on my opinion, but I'm so close to it that sometimes I don't know if it's right or not. And there have been, the, what is it, the fellow said, now this wasn't me because I'm far from this, but he said, I made a mistake one time. I thought I was wrong. And there are a lot of people that operate just that way. Uh, we, we want to hear the voice of the Lord. We want to do what God tells us to do. And if we have to be in opposition to something or someone, let it be because we are on the Lord's side, standing for what the Lord has said, told us to do. Next,
1: uh, the next and final question yeah,
0: is from long
1: time. Yes, yeah, is from Sister Lil. Is that a statue of the spies carrying a bunch of grapes from the land they fight out behind you? It just happens to be,
0: <laughs> and I have always wondered we we know that they found a a bunch of grapes oops wrong side this this uh shows the opposite of what i'm seeing or what what's actually here uh this is the spies bringing a cluster of grapes the the bible describes this event really happening that they brought back a cluster of grapes that was so large It took two men to carry it. And I have always wondered, was it Joshua and Caleb who carried the cluster of grapes? Were they the ones that bore on their shoulders and in their hands the weight of the fruit of the land? And it became tactile. It became physical. It became literal to them that this is a a marvelous land, that this is a glorious land, that this is a fruitful land. And I've just uh, there's no there's no answer. There's no way that we can know, short of uh, a debriefing after the trumpet sounds. But I've always had it in in my mind to to wonder, was that Joshua and Caleb that carried that cluster of grapes at least most of the time as they came back into the, to the land of Canaan? If, if it was, it would explain some things about not only their faith, but their understanding that, hey, this is worth going for. And God's promised us that we can have it, so why not do what God told us to do? If we've got a promise of, of land that is this fertile, land that can can produce this kind of crop. This is this is not the, the the land. This is this is not the produce that they found when the nation of Israel was reconstituted in 1948 but somewhere back there there was a land that was so fruitful so fertile that it would it would produce a cluster of grapes that it took two men to haul it around if it was not if it were not Joshua and Caleb, who carried that cluster of grapes out of the land of Canaan and over to uh, to Kadesh Barnea to show the people. If it was two of those other spies or various groups of those other spies, that just makes the tragedy that much more devastating. That they held in their hands a a literal bit of the produce of that land and the the greatness of that land and then turned their backs on it and wouldn't go in and take it. Now, that would be a tragedy. If they passed it around and some of them carried it sometime and some of them carried it another and they all had a hand in bringing it in, then we're right back where we started with But it should have, if if the other ten carried it at all, it just increases the tragedy on their part because they they had proof of the goodness and the the glory and the mercy of God and, and what he had promised them. And they threw it away. They literally threw away a chance at produce like that. At a land like that. Oh, we're afraid for our children. It was their children that harvested crops they had not sown. It was their children who lived in houses they had not built. It was their children that they were so afraid for who drank from wells they had not dug. It was their children that saw the walls fall down. It was their children that stood there while the day extended and the sun stood still. But they threw all that away. They didn't even realize how much they were throwing away. They didn't even realize how much they were losing. (sighs) Tragedy. Tragedy. If they had just gotten with the program and stayed a part of the team, the team that, that built the tabernacle, the team that, that defeated the Amalekites, the team that whatever part they were playing in it, it was part of the team. They were all working together and, and bringing it to fruition. But instead, they decided they got afraid. And they said, we can't do this. We've got to go back to Egypt. Well, they just spent at least 80 years pleading, get us out of Egypt. I can, I can, I can prove they had hollered and prayed and, and cried for deliverance for 80 years. And then two years or so out, they said, oh, we can't do this. We've got to go back to Egypt. It'd been better if we had died there. Well, that's why they were crying, because they were dying there. That's why they prayed. Get us out of here. Well, that did wind up to be a question that took us to the top of the hour, didn't it? It did. God bless you all. And join us again tomorrow night as we go farther into this study of teams this time it's teams that worked and this one really worked check us out at newrqpc.info, and we'll see you later on god bless you good night